Hello, this is Saul Gonzalez, lead pastor of Lifehouse Church, and welcome to our podcast. Thank you so very much for joining us today. I believe that through this message, God will encourage you, challenge you, and better yet, change you for the glory of God and for the purposes God has called you. Enjoy this message. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, worship team. Gracias, thank you. As you take your seat, Pastor uh, Greg Moses was just sharing that, just what, what we're sharing today about just being on hold, feeling like something is dormant or dead. Um, it was like just the, the picture of a cocoon uh, while something that is living, a living viable instrument, uh, even, is, even in a warm state, that in order for a worm to become a butterfly, a new creation, a new entity, there's a process where it feels like I'm dead, I'm dying. What, what is going on in my life? Why do I feel like dormant or numb? And, and it, it, for many, many of us, it's, you're in a cocoon stage uh, and phase in your life where when you come out of that phase, you're going to be something much more powerful. Because even through dormancy and pain and struggle, uh, there's a new creation. There's a metamorphosis taking place. And thank you, Pastor Greg, just for, for that thought here. I, I want to just transition. It won't be long because I, I appreciate God's presence in this place. And, and, and no one can... can, um, can can do what God can do just in a few minutes and moments. No one. But, but I'd like to put a thought in you that has to do with just our, our, our series is Dare to Connect. The, the, the word dare is, means, in, in essence, is almost a push. Uh, daring means that, that there's something where you're reluctant. There's a reluctancy. There's something holding you back. And then there's a moment where you have this sense of in, indignation. You have this sense of this inner push that, that, that almost when somebody says, I dare you, I dare you. And then that, that's, the, that's what we were looking for. That's what we need is, is that challenge. It's a moment of challenge, if you, will, if you will, or that push that comes from something, from an inner uh, spirit that says, you know what, I'm going to do it. There's risks. I'm afraid. Uh, it's not a done deal. It could go wrong. But I'm going to dare. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and dare to connect. Uh, there's a long, long time ago, I read an illustration. It's supposed to be funny. I hope it is. And the, this, this, this king, his daughter, he was unable to get her married. I'm not sure why, but, but he finally offers all the young uh, you know, singles of the kingdom an opportunity to marry his daughter and half of his kingdom. So he gathered all the young men to a, a, a precipice, a cliff, and there was a, a river that was crocodile infested. And he says, and he begins to do a decree because he figured, and he says, whoever is able to cross this crocodile infested river has got to have a lot of smarts and got to be brave, brave. It's got to have a lot of agility. If not, they're not going to make it. And so whoever crosses this river, so he begins to do, can have, you know, my, will have my, my daughter's hand in marriage and half of my kingdom. And he was still in the middle of the decree and boom, water, splash, somebody was in the water. And that person was like, like totally maneuvering left and right and down and up. And then finally just, by, just made it across the river. And, and just, just, just like the king immediately grabs his daughter, running toward the, the guy. I mean, he must be brilliant. He's got to have courage. Definitely has dexterity, abilities. And he's just like, he says, congratulations, young man. And the young man was seeing if, how badly injured he was. If he made it. 
He says, congratulations, you have the hand of my daughter and half of my kingdom. And, and he's saying, thank you, thank you. He says, and he's looking at himself, I just want to know who pushed me. He says, I just want the guy who pushed me. Okay, who, who pushed me off that cliff? That's all I want. I want that guy who pushed me. Because a lot of us don't know what you're capable until somebody pushes you, right? Just, just until somebody dares you. To just go. You, you don't know what you're capable of. You, you have all these um, inner fears and, and inhibitions and past experiences that tell you, I can't do it again. I used to, and, and, but I'm not going to go there. What if I fail? And I'm telling you right now, God is in here this morning to push you and to dare you to make the connections, to take the steps, to dare and, and grow and get planted. Some of us have gone here. We've gone there. You, you let circumstances. Somebody hurts you, offends you. We, we become very uh, delicate. And so, man, you're not growing. You're not going anywhere and so this whole series is about pushing you, daring you to make the connections with God. Make the connection with your inner self. Nobody is perfect, but, but you've got to look at yourself and say, hey, talk to yourself. Get, get your act together. Get your house in order. Uh, get going. Uh, make an agenda. Get up early. Start working towards something. Uh, uh, have a sense of spiritual pride, spiritual pride and dignity and inner strength. Somebody that gets tired of being tired. Somebody who talks to themselves, uh, to yourself, maybe in the mirror, but talk to yourself and get yourself straight. Uh, like, like, oh, I'm going to talk to that person and I'm going to set that person. Well, start talk to yourself. Get yourself straight. Give yourself a piece of your mind. Right? Just, 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 just talk. And I'm, I'm serious. It, it works. It works. Like, what's happening with you? Like, how can you be walking this way? How can you be acting this way? Uh, grow up, you big baby. Tell yourself for all the big babies that are here. Um, and, and I'm telling you. And, then, and then, then those persons that God has put in your sphere of influence. Your, your husband, your wife, your kids. Um, you're, the set, you're the setter. You're the trender. You're, you are the, the, the key to a, a successful relationship or, a, or an ill-fated relationship. You, every, especially every man. Every, every man here, you're the key. God calls us the head. God calls you a priest. God calls you the leader. God does. Uh, whether that, that, you don't have to ask permission. God says you're the leader. God says it. Uh, that, that doesn't mean you lead apart or you lead like, like, uh, like you, you become a, a dictator. No. The, a good leader leads with other people together uh, in, in a, with counsel. Um, you know, I tell my wife that in my house, my house here, you know, my word is final. And it's usually whatever you want, honey. That's my final word. You know. What I say goes, and it usually is like, honey, whatever you want. Amen. My love, my darling. But I have the last word. Okay. Okay, you guys are not understanding me, men. Learn from what I just shared with you. Uh, okay. Let me, let, me, let me bring this whole thing to full circle. So learn to connect today, uh, or dare to connect. Today it's about disconnecting, the importance of disconnecting in order to make your new connections work. So disconnecting in order to make your new connections work. I was a, a young man at church ministering. And uh, God's grace was on my life in terms of ministry. And at that time, there was a point in my life where I was like a youth pastor. But also I led um, uh, Sunday school. And I led worship. And there was a season in my life in, in church in McFarland where I grew up where I was in favor. And then there was a season where... Whatever, for whatever reason, I'm not sure, but I, I came out of favor. 
and, and just things were not clicking, things were not moving in the right direction. I was asked to kind of no longer be the youth pastor. And I thought things were going well, but maybe, you know, leaders thought that we should go in a different direction. New person, new blood, new ideas. And so I, I relented and didn't run or did not be, uh, become the youth pastor. Same thing happened with Sunday school. I was the superintendent of Sunday school. And, you know, let's get a lot of other people, pastor, you know, leaders came and said, let's good for other people. I said, amen. And then I was a worship leader. And, uh, and uh, a particular Sunday morning, the Holy Spirit, God spoke to my heart and says, you know, basically to, to get down from the piano, basically to just, just leave the piano. I, I was there working to coordinate. We were early Sunday uh, getting ready for worship. And God spoke to me and says, you know, Saul, step down. Step down from the piano. From being a worship leader, I want you to resign. And this is not other people asking me to resign. This was God. And I didn't understand. And I, I'm telling you before the living God. When other folks came and, and I knew they were maybe, maybe sentiments, maybe emotions, maybe a little bit of jealousy. I don't know. But, but I, I handled all that really, really well. I kept myself, you know, in, good, in a good spiritual state. I, did, I just dust myself off and I said, okay, this is God you know, God's will. That's okay. But when God said and spoke to me to step down, it was different. This was now personal. This, this hurt. And so I kind of ignored his voice. And, and the second time he says, Saul, you know, you need to step down. You need to resign as your, as a worship leader. And, and I ignored him again the second time. And then by the third time, um, I heard his voice really strongly speak to myself. He says, Saul, I told you to resign. I told you to step down. And in my mind, it was like we were going to start worship in a few, you know, maybe in a half an hour, the service on a Sunday morning. And, and uh, right when he said that, um, a young lady by the name of Maribel Cantu, she's uh, Pastor Manuel's wife, just to, so that people here can connect with the true story and that, that has like witnesses, secondary and tertiary witnesses. She was just stepping in from, just coming right into the sanctuary. And she was a pianist and a worship leader as well. And so I stepped, I stepped down and I went to her and I said, Maribel, you know, I didn't tell her anything that would, God was the, I said, hey, today I need your help. So I was the worship leader. I, I need you to take over. You know, I need you in the piano. Here's the set of songs we're doing today. Uh, oh, and she goes, I can't, I can't. You know, I said, yes, you can. Get up there. I, I pushed her. Amen. I pushed her. See, because sometimes... I was the obstacle because sometimes we're holding positions that belong to somebody else. Right? Like, like sometimes you, you want to be a ball hog, uh, a ministry hog, somebody who has a title or authority, or you've got, you want the room's attention. So you can't, a lot of us can't be in a room in a circle or a life group and let somebody else share. You, you just can't wait to get in there because you think, unfortunately, you think that it's all about you. Or that you're, what you've got to say is more important than what the other person that tends to be more silent has to say. And that's why it's, there's power in the life group that is balanced and that, that yields to the other people. And so she went up there. And, and so I sat to my right, your left here. Just like this, the sanctuary is very similar. And I sat in that area over here. And like three or four pews in. And I was like hurt and I said to God, you know, they started singing. I said, oh God, what else do you want? I told him like that, like, like God was going to say, ooh, so, you know. And I said, Saul, I, I said, Lord, what else do you want? 
what else do you want me to get? I don't have any. I lost all. I don't have any more titles at church. No more ministry. No, no more areas of responsibility. I'm, I'm sharing the truth. And I was standing there, and God spoke to my heart and said, Saul, I want you to, now to, I want you to worship me. Uh, that's what I want. I want you to be a worshiper. Because you've been this, and you've been this leader, and you've been a Roar Ranger leader, and you've been a commander, or you've been a, a, um, a, a teacher, a Sunday school teacher, you've been Sunday school superintendent, and you've been a, a, son, a, a youth pastor, and you've been the worship leader. But I don't, you know, you've never been a worshiper. You, you've never been a worshiper. You've had titles, but you've never worshiped me just because of who I am. So you worship me because I blessed you and placed you in positions of responsibility. But now I want you to worship me in this state of being hurt. I want you to worship me. So I said, okay, uh, I really, I, I felt God speaking to me. And so I started to worship me and God says, not like that, not like forlorn, not like always me. I worship you, God. God says, am I not worthy of your best worship? So am I not worthy of your worship that comes from your heart? No matter how you're feeling. I don't care how you're feeling. That doesn't matter. Can you see who I am? And can you worship me for who I am? In spite of how you're feeling. Dejected, broken. Somebody rejected you. Somebody left you. Somebody hurt you again. That, what has that got to do with who God is? Can you worship him in your worst moments when you're broken? You're by yourself. You're, you're, feeling, uh, you're feeling sorry for yourself. Can you instead focus your attention and worship him? See, that's Jacob. That's Jacob wrestling with himself in the story. That's Jacob, God uh, changing, trans, uh, changing his identity so that he can embrace his new beginning, a new level, a new dimension of, of being a patriarch. A patriarch that, that would leave a legacy that, that today still lives. That's why the, the number one name in all the Bible for God calls himself more often the God of Jacob than any other name in all the Bible. The God of Jacob. And so that day I began to worship him to the best of my abilities. And then God says, not like that. I want more. And so God says, I want you to lift up your hands. So I kind of just glanced around and nobody lifted up their hands. So I said, God, this is like, he says, don't look around. I want you to worship me. So I lift up my hands. I go, God, the song is not even that good. I'm not playing and uh, it's not like conducive to worship. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I was struggling with myself wrestling with God. I was wrestling. I was like, like right there was an encounter. Somebody was going to win and somebody was going to lose. I, that was God who was going to win because God never loses. But I'm, it was a struggle. And so I lifted up my hands and God says, I want you to worship me. And I began to worship him. And it was not so much the song anymore. I just began to say, God, I love you. And I worship you. It doesn't matter how I'm feeling. You are worthy of the best worship. And so I just began to worship him. I just began to just exalt him. When, the, when the, every moment that I began to exalt his name, yes. just every second that went by, there was healing, there was a balm, there was, there was peace. Like it didn't matter if I had a title, if I had a position in church. It didn't matter what was done, what was said behind my back, in front of my back, peripherally. It didn't matter. I was in the presence of the one that made things happen. I was in the presence of the one 
that could change my life. It was a transformative moment in my life. And I never, that day I became a worshiper and I never went back to that piano. Never went back. Never went back to being a worship leader or a youth pastor or a Sunday superintendent. And this nine months went by, maybe almost a year. And I just, every Sunday, I didn't, I didn't complain. God is my witness. I came, I sat in the same area in, in church. There's some people here that have been to the McFarland church, uh, an assembly of God's Spanish church. And I would just worship God. And I became a worshiper. I became a lover of God and more than, than interested in what is it, what's in it for me. Like, like, what do I get out of it? Like, like, like selfishness is the first point. The first point of, of, of like, you've got to disconnect in your outline is that you've got to disconnect from selfishness. Uh, up there, if you help me, the first point is you have to disconnect from being selfish. Um, if you don't disconnect from, from being selfish or envious and, and jealousy, people, like when you see, like most of the men, you guys struggle when you see me because you become jealous of me. Most men. I realize that. The muscle structure, the vitality, right? The, the good looks. So most men come in here and they struggle. Um, you've got to get over it, right? Get over yourself. Just, just you have to know your limitations. Thank you. So, sorry. Sorry. But, but jealousy and envy and selfishness are killers. Can you go up there with Galatians with me? Just go Galatians chapter 5. Watch, watch selfishness. That, and that's what, what Jacob had to disconnect. Uh, selfishness. And, and at the heart of my, a, a lot of what I did was maybe selfish, was self-serving, was self-aggrandizement disguised as spirituality. Disguised as spirituality. And so Paul says to the Galatians, when you follow, when you follow the desires of your nature, of your flesh, uh, the results are very clear. It's sexual immorality, impurity, guys, men, lustful pleasures. When, when you give this flesh credence and you give it access and you give it permission to go places, to, to go places where you shouldn't go, not a Christian, not anybody, because it's going to destroy you. Uh, the Bible says that the person who sins becomes a slave, a slave of sin. So, so when, when you move in that direction and you give your flesh permission, uh, no breaks, uh, no control, you're in trouble. And he says, not only that, but idolatry and sorcery. And, and all of a sudden, there's hostility and anger. And there's quarreling. All of a sudden, you're quarreling. You're fighting all the time. And then watch this jealousy. You become jealous. Uh, and you become very, very uh, ultra-sensitive and really over-possessive of things and of people, men and women. Possessive. Possessive jealousy. It is destructive in relationships. You, you don't trust the other person. The other person uh, doesn't trust you. And, and I'm telling you, there's no worse uh, dynamic in a relationship than jealousy when jealousy uh, is at work or envy. So out, uh, outbursts of anger. Like all of a sudden, man, you're dangerous, men. Men that are just women are dangerous. That you, you just, all of a sudden, you can't control your temper. Or there's outbursts of anger. Selfish ambition. Uh, dissension and division. Watch this. The next one is envy. Envy, envy. Drunkenness and wild parties and sins like these. Let me tell you, Paul says, and like I've said before, that anyone living uh, that sort of lifestyle will not inherit the kingdom of God. You will not inherit the blessings of God on this earth or the, or the, or the life to come. How many say amen? It's, it's important. 
Um, can I uh, share one more verse? Uh, or it's in chapter James. Can, can you put it up there, guys? The, the verses that, with respect to just, just the nature. Just, just, um, and, and then I'm going to transition to just finish this, this um, message this morning. Uh, James, if I, I, there you go. Thank you. James chapter 3. He says, but if you are bitterly jealous. One more time. I just sense, like last night, I, I got home late from a trip. Thank you for those of you that were praying for me. I was um, in, in, in another, you know, in Mexico ministering at a conference for pastors. Uh, and just last night, I was just looking at her outline that all our pastors are doing the same series of messages. And these two uh, verses came to mind, these two passages. This is with respect to jealousy, guys, and envy, ladies. Um, but if you're bitterly jealous and there is a selfish ambition, here we go, ambition. See, for Jacob, he had to let go of his ambition. His ambition took him to a, to a relationships that were dead-end relationships uh, with his father-in-law, with his brother-in-laws, and there was uh, even with his own family, with Esau, ambition. He stole Esau's, his own brother's uh, birthright, and then stole his blessing, disguising himself. Jacob did, disguising him as his brother. He, his mother coerced him, coerced him because there was tension, there was, there was jealousy, there was envy, uh, and coerced him to go before his dad, um, Isaac, disguise himself because his dad was blind, disguise himself as his brother Esau so that he can get the blessing that the father was going to give Esau, his older brother. Envy, like, like jealousy, like selfish ambition in your heart. So if there's bitterness or, or jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover it up. Uh, don't cover up the truth uh, with boasting and then lying. You lie to yourself. You lie about it. You lie to others. Uh, verse 15, for jealousy and selfishness are not, are not God's uh, kind of wisdom. Uh, such things are earthly and unspiritual and demonic, demonic. When somebody is feeling jealousy and selfish ambition, uh, it's all about you. It's all your, your, and you lie to yourself. Pastors, I'm a go-getter. Uh, no, uh, you're selfish and, and it's ambition. And that's why your relationships are, are the way they are. Uh, for wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambitions, uh, there will be, you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Evil of every kind. So I, I so then he talks about the wisdom of God. Uh, but the wisdom from above is first pure, and then it's peace-loving. And then the, the wisdom that comes from God is gentle at all times. Gentle men, gentle, willing to yield to others. And it's full of mercy and and the fruit of good deeds. It's full of the fruit of good deeds. And it shows no favoritism. And it's always, it's always sincere. So if, if you want to be able to, to, to be able to connect with God's ultimate plan, God's ultimate purpose for your life, I think it's important to disconnect. And that's what God did with me. He, he unplugged me, if you will, from what I thought was his will. What I thought was like, man, ministry, uh, serving. And it is for everybody. So about nine months later, the pastor comes, and I just, I just worship. Didn't complain. This God is my witness. I kept giving. I kept serving or, or ministering or, or, you know, where God would ask me to. People would come and ask me, hey, pastor, can you speak on this Sunday? Or pastor, can, or, or Saul. Back then, I was not even a pastor. Maybe Saul. And, and I did. 
about nine months later, ten months later, help me, Paco. Uh, just don't be louder than I am. Whatever you do with that piano, help me. Thank you. And um, the pastor comes, the, the board got together, and the pastor comes and says, uh, Saul, you know, the pastor says, I'd like for you to pray about being my assistant pastor, uh, becoming my assistant pastor. Just, just, I need help. I, uh, you know, God is, is just, God, in other words, God put me back in favor. I didn't complain. I didn't, I didn't tell anybody I've been hurt in this church. You know, somebody pushed me out. Um, I, I didn't. God is my witness. I just, just internalized it. You know what? God is God. And I was happy to be just a worshiper and a giver. How many say amen? And, and then the favor turns. All of a sudden, they're asking me to be an assistant pastor. And then I said, Pastor, what does it look like? What do you want me to help? He says, well, I want you to oversee Sunday school. And I want you to oversee all the ministries, all the departments, men, women, youth departments. I want you to see, oversee the, the, the ministries. And I want you to oversee worship too. I want all those people. And I said, you mean all the people that replaced me and that stabbed me behind my back? Ooh, I go, yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. The vengeance is mine. I mean, ours, yours and mine together. That was like the farthest thing from my mind. It might have crossed my thoughts little bit. The second thought here is that um, you need to engage. If you want to disconnect to connect, you need to embrace the fight. There's a, a, you're, don't, don't be afraid to wrestle, to fight. Just, just there's something that God is doing in the fighting, in the fighting. And so the Bible says that a man appeared and began to fight and wrestle with Jacob. What, what, what is it that God is engaging you in terms of fighting? In terms of the struggle, embrace the struggle, in other words. Embrace the struggle. The struggle is good for you. It's, 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 it's what that worm is doing in that cocoon. He's fighting for his life. There's darkness, and, and there, he's not giving up, and, and he's growing. When he begins to burst through that cocoon, it's a fight for his life. That, that butterfly is breaking through, and, and uh, in the fight, there is strength in the fight. In your fight, there is also a point where you surrender to God, you yield to God, and you let Him uh, be your strength. You let Him become your guide, your, your, your strength. Um, and, and so don't be afraid of the struggle. Embrace the struggle. Um, embrace the process. Um, go pay a price. Come consistently to church. I, I know that, that sometimes the, the message maybe is not for you and maybe it's kind of boring. Um, I'm not sure. But, but come. Get planted. Stay planted. Stay uh, faithful. Uh, be visible. Say yes to God. Be a giver. Fight. Like, like move forward. Um, fight. So here's Jacob wrestling with, with, uh, with deity with pre-incarnate Christ Jesus. He's wrestling. In the process, the, the sun is... the more All night, the Bible says, they, they wrestled. Wrestled with what? With everything. With his past. With his pain. Uh, in, in the process, he dislocated his hip uh, to kind of make him yield. And you know what I love about uh, Jacob is he didn't give up. Here he is, dislocated. There's pain. There's a fight. But he didn't give up. Because pain is part of the process. Pain is part of your fight. He could have said, okay, I yield. No! He, he kept fighting. He says, hey, let me go because the sun is coming up. And then Jacob says, I won't let you go. 
I, I won't let you go until you bless me. It, it's like a like a an, you know like a, a gambler who's addicted to 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 the Vegas back then back when it's, it's like the guy who's grabbing the machine and saying I won't let you go until you bless me. Okay, you're not with me. For those of you that were Vegas gamblers, I, I won't let you go until you bless me. Never mind, that didn't work well. It worked really well last service. They're a little bit higher, more appreciative. Then um, number three, just, just so that you fill out your outline and, and you go, there's a, a moment where you, you connect, you, you, you dare to connect. You continue the struggle. You continue to wrestle because that is what's going to lead to transformation. That is what's going to lead to transformation. Even through the pain, even through the struggle, uh, there's a new identity waiting for you. There's a new framework. There's a new platform. There's a new you, new you that God is trying to get you to your new you. A new level. A new level of command and control in your life. Command and control. Uh, focus. Um, the giftings that God has given you. Uh, the anointing that God has given you to share, to, to bear, help bear somebody else's pain. To move your family to the next level, the next direction. You know, we, we were in Mexico the last two weeks. My, my family and I, my kids have never been to Mexico, never. My wife, about three months ago, got their, um, their visas, uh, their passports, their passports to go to Mexico. And it's a different world, people. It's a di different world. We went to South Campeche. It's just, man, and my kids never have seen the kind of poverty, the kind of poverty everywhere. People asking for, for, for and I'm not talking just homeless. I'm talking poverty. I'm talking just somebody comes to try to clean your, your windshield just so to get a peso or two or three. Um, just people that don't even work in restaurants. They're outside just helping you back up from your car. Just hoping to get 20 pesos. Just, just hey, come by. And what they're doing that for is because they want just, hey, I need a hand. I need something. If, if you don't have the courage to, to like weather the storms, you don't have this thick people, men and women of God here. There's a, there's a calling and that calling will never go away. You will have to live with your calling for the rest of your life. God's gifts and God's calling are irrevocable and he never repents. God says, oh, I'm sorry I ever give. Never repents. You'll have to live with that. And so you'll live either hiding from God or, or taking the risk of fighting with God. And just, just pastor, but what's worse, running from God, saying no, then whatever God has for you is, is greater with God if you say yes to God. So connecting, just wrestling leads to transformation. And God just, just Jesus pre-incarnate says, so what's your name? Tell me your name, Jacob, which means slanderer, which means gra a heel grabber. Uh, so somebody who's basically a dirty uh, or, or just a trickster. That's what it means, a trickster. Somebody who looks for advantages. Somebody who's opportunistic in the flesh. Somebody who always is looking for, he is going to win. He's always competing, comparing, uh, and compelling himself to, to do something that, that at the end, he's going or she's going to win. And God says, so, so that's your name. That's your nature. And he says, your name your nature is no longer going to be like that. I'm going to, your name is now Israel. Because in the struggle, in the struggle, 
while you wrestle, there is emerging a new destiny and a new identity for all of us, a new identity. And uh, your name is Israel, which means prince, a prince of God. For you've wrestled with God and yourself, and you've wrestled with men, and you have won, you have triumphed, and your name is Israel. And so he says, don't let me, I, I won't let you go until you bless me. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says, and he blessed them. And he blessed them. Because the greatest thing that you can have and walk in life, the greatest thing, your greatest asset, your greatest strength, uh, your greatest uh, carte blanche, card blanche, is the blessing of God. It's God's favor. If God blesses you, if you walk in the blessing of God, and the Bible says that, 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 that you will become a blesser, that there is no witchcraft, there is no uh, force in this world that can come against you if you walk in the blessings of God. Nothing can come against you. Nothing can stop you. There's no force. There's no witchcraft. There's no demon. There's no uh, evil that can stop you if you uh, enjoy the blessing and the favor of God. Would you bow your heads to with me? Hallelujah. Just Let's just bow. Hallelujah. Father, you're working. You're doing something very powerful. Hallelujah. Very personal here today. Very powerful and personal for a lot of us. I sense marriages. I sense ministries. Uh, I sense men and, and women of God here. That all of us are in, are in the struggle of our life in many, many ways. As the struggle for spiritual identity, spiritual survival, a spiritual, um, just, just a aegisness, uh, spiritual identity. And some of us are morphing into something or someone you, God's never meant you to go into oblivion, into, into a backstage, backseat, a back pew uh, kind of, of, of life and ministry. I'm not questioning. God, is, God knows you're going to be a Christian for the rest of your life, but what kind of a Christian? God knows you're going to be a man or a woman. God knows that a lot of us, by God's grace, our marriages are going to move forward, but what kind of a marriage are you settling for? What are you settling for? And there is disconnection. God will take us, a lot of us, through a phase of disconnecting. Just, just disconnect. Why? Because he wants to reconnect you. God, God wants you to emerge with the right kind of courage, with the right kind of fight, the right kind of nerve, spiritual strength, spiritual courage to say, I'm willing, I'm, I'm ready. Whatever you want, God. And maybe some of us are right in the middle of that process. And it's between you and God. That's your call. I just pray, I just pray. <laughs> I just pray that we get it right for the glory of God. And when you continue that wrestle, we continue that struggle, he says, your name is Israel. The Bible says he blessed them. The Bible says that the sun came up that day and that Jacob walked with a limp. Maybe that would be another message, he walked with a limp. The rest of his life, it was the way he walked that was evidence that he had an encounter <laughs> with the living God. He, he walked differently. He walked more vulnerable, more slowly, more methodical. He walked with a halt. His gait was different. His limp identified the moment. It identified that he had an encounter with the living God. His kids, when he went home, hey, dad, what happened? Oh, I had an encounter with God. Well, what happened? Oh, I fought. We, we wrestled. And um, 
Uh, who won? Who won, God? You, uh, Jacob, Dad, who won? It was a tie. <laughs> Let's call it a tie. Hallelujah. With your, with your heads bowed. If there's anyone here that says, Pastor, today I want to give my life to Christ. Anyone here? Anyone here that says, Pastor, today I want to, I want to walk with God and I want to make sure that I'm born again, that I'm saved. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand anywhere you're at today? And God bless you, young man. God bless you, young lady. Anyone that just says, Pastor, I want to make sure that I'm born again. I see your hand back there, brother. Up there, man, I see those hands up there. Uh, at least a dozen of you. Man, that's awesome. Today, saying, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to make sure I'm born again, that Christ lives in me. I, I want him to live large. I want God to live large in my life. And I want to surrender my life and ask him to be my Savior. That is so awesome. Would everyone here, would you just, everyone that is sitting right now, would you say this prayer with me? And especially for everyone that raised your hand and those that raised your hand in your heart. Everyone just say a very simple prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, change me. Uh, my life, I surrender completely to you. Come into my heart. Forgive all my sins. And let me start all over as your child with your blessing and your, your strength. In Jesus' name, to the glory of God the Father, Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you so very much for joining us today on the Lifehouse podcast. I pray and hope this message has encouraged, inspired, and challenged you to grow closer to God. If you would like to be a part of what God is doing here at Lifehouse, visit our website at lifehousechurch.com. That's lifehousechurch.com for more information or consider subscribing and share it with one of your friends and family. Thank you again for being part of our journey, your journey, that will lead you to know God better, grow together, and go serve and make a difference. Thank you again. God bless you. See you next time.